Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network for episode 17 of 24, season 3, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., which is almost literally the time that we're recording, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., uh, here on day three of our nonstop recording at 24. Uh, and we are getting so dangerously close to the big episode that uh, I wasn't expecting much this week. I was expecting, hey, this will just be a tease, but uh, it's it's better than I thought it was. It's a, it's a solid episode. There's a lot of people bleeding still. There's a lot of Legionnaire's disease <laughs> running rampant <laughs> in California, uh, but still pretty dramatic. Um, my name is Colin, and nope, nope, nope. Seriously? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Okay, let's let's try presume dead. Okay. Nope. 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 Oh, I thought I was going to have some, like, you know, pretty clever, <laughs> hilarious fucking introduction, and you steal. Of all the ones, you steal that one. Like, that's just bullshit. Um, and my name is Ben, and I don't negotiate with podcast hosts. I just do as you're told. <laughs> oh, you got the second best quote. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've written here like no, 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 no. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of mean what I said. I wasn't expecting as much in this episode because I know that next week's such a big one, and obviously we've got a lot of drama going on in the hotel. And it's funny because I have very few notes from this episode. Like it's not like a lot goes on. I mean, we get a big action sequence, which is positive, but other than that, it's a lot of phone calls and stalling and let's drop the seed of what's going to happen next week. But uh, otherwise, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's incredibly entertaining for an episode with very little going on. I completely agree. I think this is another great episode and I'm just calling it the Stephen Saunders factor. Cause like, let's be honest, since he's come on board, every episode has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'm saying it now. I think he has a lot to do with it being fantastic, even though he's not in it for a whole lot, but um, yeah, I, I think I'm with you for the most part that I didn't remember this being so entertaining ahead of next week. I actually don't didn't remember that sort of the what leads to next week is announced at the end of this week. I thought that was all just in one episode. I completely forgot yeah. that it came to the end of this. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's tense. It's exciting. It's well acted. Uh, we get a James Bond connection, which is great, sort of. Um and again, there's plenty of things in this that really don't make sense and are silly, but I mean, it's it's still fantastic. And again, I'm I'm crediting it all to Mr. Stephen Saunders. He's making this absolutely fantastic. You kind of set yourself up going into the season that you were like Saunders' number one fanboy, but I mean, you, you've definitely proven it only two episodes in. I mean, the man 
has probably about 45 seconds of screen time. You're like, oh, it's all him in this episode. Uh, which come I, mean, on, I like, even you. you've got to jump on board with this thought. Like, he's fantastic and everything he's in and everything that's happening is because of him. So, I mean, you know, it's that's how epic yeah. it is. I, I, I will say, I mean, I, as I mentioned last week, you know, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't have the fondest memories of Saunders more because of some of the other stuff that happens later in the season. And I kind of expected, you know, maybe something fresher than Nightfall all over again when I was originally watching it. But now on a rewatch, I'm really enjoying Saunders. And I think that what he does on screen, like it is incredibly menacing. And there, there is one thing that's, that's continually bothered me though about him. And we'll definitely get to that. Uh, racist just because he's british um i'm the one who's going to hate on the english you're the one who hates the british (laughs) the english the english thank you (laughs) please which one is the pot or the kettle here let's see um but yeah i would let's jump right into the palmer drama i I always feel bad that we get the palmer drama the way first but like it is the least racist tense it is yeah it's all racist that's right (laughs) we just want to get all the black people over and done with get them all the way (laughs) let's save the americans for last (laughs) max dawson likes that we're doing it just for max (laughs) yeah exactly uh but uh i of course we have to start with a palmer and jack phone call with i correct me if i'm wrong but this may be the last time they speak (laughs) over the phone (laughs) you might be onto something there (laughs) it's quite possible um, and of course the conversation means nothing because he gives them no new information that he doesn't already know. It's, it's all there just for the audience, which seems like this on a rewatch always bother me more than it does. If you're watching it the first time around, cause you're watching the first time around, you see the previously on 24 segment, and you, you, for, you've actually forgotten anything. They don't show you on the previously on segment, but hmm. now when he's like, all right, so this is the information we have. And I just want Palmer to be like, yes, I know that I had the briefing <laughs> five minutes ago before the, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh uh it, i mean it's it's still great now that we're having palmer john this a little bit sherry really is a sound sleeper now i mean she has no problem killing a man and just going straight to sleep i don't think anybody has slept on this season outside of sherry and sherry's the one who's killed a man uh so uh good for her uh and once they have all the information we we have like the the wayne scene with uh david and uh we get which something I completely agree with. I mean, there's, there's lots of points throughout this show where we're going to call Palmer a terrible president and he really is. But when his focus is more on, okay, containing the story is just as important as containing the virus. I mean, this is kind of what we got the last season. You don't want to create that panic. And I, I, I kind of see it making more sense in the season because this is the political side of it. Why does David Palmer have to be in the loop. You know, yes, we know that Saunders is talking to him directly and all that, but it is all about, okay, who's representing this story to the public. So I I don't know whether this ends up becoming one of the things of, you know, Palmer going down that, uh, oh, well, he cared more about, uh, you know, the public attention and everything than he did um, the the actual virus. But I mean, it's it's a valid argument, which I, I like anytime you can make like, politics actually makes sense in 24 and not just be a guy on the phone getting briefings is good uh they mentioned how they're going to spin this to the press as legionnaire's disease which i had no idea what legionnaire's disease was until i looked it up and realized what i got when i was in harlem basically it's like an air conditioner disease (laughs) (laughs) but the symptoms basically all covid uh so i'm saying it right now you and i didn't test positive for covid we may have tested positive for legionnaire's disease (laughs) Um, especially you. <laughs> I think, in all seriousness, and I'm not even joking, I think when I was in that place in Harlem, it was a type of something because it, like, it was all... I, I remember there was a massive outbreak in Australia 
at some point in my life, it was like in Victorian hospitals and, you know, it was a big thing where like the government was like scrambling, like don't go to my building and breathe in the air because it's all something to do with circulated air or air conditioners or dodgy heaters or something. So, yeah. Something that they would get at the hotel. So it may not even be Cordilla virus. Exactly. They could all be suffering from Legionnaires. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, the fact that it's in a hotel actually lends credibility to their cover well, story here. We, we know who Doug Savant's married to in Desperate Housewives, and we know she's a bit of a criminal. So, um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Felicity Huffman, check her, check her things out. Come on. I, again, having not watched Desperate Housewives for a second, I'm like, who was it he said he was, was he married to Terry Hatcher? What did she do now? What did Terry do? No hope of Paris Carver coming back. It's Bond. Um, the the other thing they really talk about here, which again, I, I don't know why, but I really love the politics of this, where they're uh, talking with the, um, um, who who is the Head Homeland Security homeland? here? Yeah. Yeah, the Homeland Security, where they're like, you know, we recommend that you ground all flights. And I, I like to like, mm, okay, well, maybe. And they're like, and we recommend you ground all buses and trains. <laughs> And bikes and pedestrians and those little scooters that kids take around. Ground them all. <laughs> Nobody's allowed to move. Uh, <laughs> which this is kind of the argument. About. And one complaint I have about this episode is they make this a little bit more of a dramatic thing. It's like, listen, that that is an incredibly complex request. And I don't know if we can pull that off without uh, panicking the public. And David's like, well, I'll think about it. And then the next thing we're going to get with him at the preference conference is literally, we're grounding all air travel. And cars and buses and trains and bikes and pedestrians and scooters that the kids ride on. Uh, <laughs> I would have liked a little bit more debate in here, but again, you, you got 42 minutes. You got to take away from something. Uh, I don't know if we could really take away from anything else. Um, we, we do get the, the, the first Saunders call here where he wants them to uh, pick up a cell phone at this dead drop spot, uh, the mailbox across the street. And this, I just kept thinking about speed here, you know, uh, yeah. with uh, the, the mailbox across the way. And then it's like, Mm, the, it hasn't moved. Turn on the transponder. <laughs> uh, I wanted Dennis Hopper to come back here. And now we know why uh, Nightfall is part of the story. Uh, but uh, things that, again, they, they kind of gloss over, but they still give it a mention that I like the fact that like, okay, you're the president of the United States. You're going to give it, you're just going to go pick up some random thing. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll do a little scan of it first to make sure In it's not 10 a 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> exactly. 10 minutes. <laughs> But still, the fact that it's like you're mentioning that it's bringing that real world thing of it. You can't just do this with a president. This would be one thing for Tony to go pick up a cell phone or uh, Chloe or um, Eric Binder or somebody um, who was the guy last week. Uh, Daniel, what was his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, God, we've forgotten about him already, haven't we? Yeah, Dennis. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, this is something, Dennis. This is something you send Dennis. You don't send the president of the United States, but, uh, but still, I like this little soundful thing. And it, again, it's just, it's all Saunders elaborate plan. Um, and, uh, this is that, that, uh, quote you mentioned, which I absolutely oh, loved where he, we so don't good. negotiate with terrorists. He goes, I don't negotiate with heads of state, but you're going to do as you told. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, so good. This is why Saunders is so awesome. He's just like balls up to the president of the United States. Like, well, shut the fuck up, bitch. I don't negotiate <laughs> with heads of state. Do as you're fucking told. Like, it's so good. Yeah. And like, he's so calm and we're coming off of so many more elaborate over the top villains. And this is why I wish that I'd gotten on the Saunders train in season three more because he is, even though his storyline is like a little bit of a rehash, he's presenting something different as far as being a villain. I mean, he's not Dennis Hopper, you know, uh, he's not, uh, I mean, I guess we had a very subtle villain with, uh, what's his name? Mr. Saw, uh, at the end of last season, Tobin Grace. Um, Tobin Grace. Yeah. You know, he was, he was a lot more under the radar villain, but, uh, again, he was so brief in the show and 
really we're coming off of the Salazars and Amador who are very over the top and Saunders is very under the top. Under How the, is he like, no, what did you say? Like he's a bit repetitive. Like what's, what's repetitive about Saunders? Okay. So there's a line he has. Let me see if I can find it. it again. It's if we had never covered the matrix, it wouldn't bother me so much, but he says, as you no doubt have been informed, like what is with <laughs> that? As you no doubt, as you no doubt have guessed, as you know, Smart people informed. say it. Colin <laughs> Morpheus, uh, Stephen Saunders. Yes. Uh, yeah. Is that, that one line where it's like, it's the same person. I don't know. I didn't, sorry. I didn't even look up to see who wrote this episode, but uh, is it the same writers as last week? Cause we're getting the same quotes from him. And it's, it's, it's just, it's one of these things that we, we pointed out in the matrix because as you no doubt have guessed is like the most awkward line ever. And now we've had Saunders say something along those lines twice. Uh, Robert Cochran and Stephen Cronish wrote this episode, and last week Stephen Cronish was one of the people who wrote the episode. Oh, so, uh, directed shame by on you, Ian, Ian Toynton directed this, by the way. Just um, like people want to know, just letting them know. Colin, you didn't do your job at the beginning. Yeah, so I didn't just, do my job. You're right. No, you didn't. <laughs> I was I was too excited to talk about things that, as you no doubt have guessed, um, I was excited <laughs> to talk about. But yeah, it's that one line that's just bothering me. Uh, anyways, Saunders is going to give uh, Palmer the code word. And that is the reason for this code word just to say that he confirms that he's going to do Because uh, I didn't understand. This isn't like he says, if you want to get word to me that you release the money. Like, there's no reason when they have a direct cell phone line that's untraceable to the president that he got in 10 minutes to give him I a code word to say. can't remember. I think there might be something with this. But otherwise, I've just always implied if there isn't that this is just, it's his simple way of making sure that he's going to pay attention and do as he's told. You know, yeah. it's kind of like picking a phone up from a box. Okay. But like, you're going to go on national TV and you're going to say this line, uh, yeah. which I fucking love. What, what does he say? Like when Palmer's like, what am I meant to have a press conference about? He's like, I don't know, space program, price of wheat, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so good. He's just like, he's just such like a dick to the president. He's just like, I don't yeah. care. Fucking price of wheat. Like whatever. <laughs> How is the price of and wheat, it, by the way, Mr. President? I'm going to like riding on this. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that, you know, Palmer was using a stall tactic there, but like you just came off a debate that you ended prematurely and said there was a threat. And then you had your girlfriend leave you and you had her husband turn up dead. And now you've got another person turn up dead and your wife's involved and all that. You have far too many things to hold a press conference about to be asking that question is what Saunders' response could have been as well. Yeah, why aren't these, um, actually, that's a good point. Why aren't these journalists going like, Mr. President, you haven't commented on why you ended yeah, the exactly. debate last night. It's fucking 5.45 <laughs> in the morning. We've got shit to do. It's LA. <laughs> yeah, where's Wendy Crewson? We want to know, where's Wendy? That's a solid point. Like, that should be the first question. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, okay, so he goes into the press conference. He gives the quote that the sky is falling is what he's supposed to say. And I, I think what he says, something along the lines of, I'm not saying that the sky is falling or something like that. Uh, but he basically says there will be no questions. And then as he's leaving, Mr. as you see in every TV show, Mr. President, Mr. President. And Wayne is like, this is not a question and answer. He's given a statement. He's leaving, and Wayne's like, uh, or not Wayne, David. Uh, this time's president. We've got a couple of years for Wayne. Uh, no, I will take a couple of questions. Greg, you first. And of course, this is the most David Palmer thing ever. It's like, all right, and now it's Jenny's turn. <laughs> he is Mister. Hardly any reporters in that room. I'm sure he gets through every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, and like you said, this is 5:45 in the morning, which I was thinking to myself, like. Has a president ever called a press conference that early? Like, wasn't it, uh, was it last season or the one before where they basically said, we're going to wait till 8 a.m.? Yeah, I was, I was uh, like, until like 6 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, breakfast so They're news. jumping the gun. Which I guess, I mean, here. 6 a.m. L.A. time is what? 
9 a.m. New yeah. York time. So, I mean, it's a little bit better, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he, the, the one thing I like here is, is he does play off the whole, cause he says, well, there's, there's a threat to the United States. We will tell you nothing about what it is. And they're like, all right. So are you saying it's time to panic? Mr. President? Like, no, this is a preventative measure, uh, where they're grounding all the air trip. Cause every time where air travel and bus travel and train travel and bike travel and everything else has been grounded, it's been a preventative measure. Uh, I mean, this again, we're, we're what, two, three years, not even three years removed from 9-11. So the fact that he's doing this, I mean, I could see people watching this in 2004 being like, whoa, like this is, you know, this is hitting too close to home here. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, obviously it's not going to be addressed in here in 9-11, but this is what we're going with. So, yeah, I, I kind of want more of, like you said, the the people there asking questions like we got a lot of suspicious things to talk about. You've given us no, if he came out here and said there is a threat, it is dangerous. We need people to stay in home, lock their doors, do this. Then that's more credible him coming out and again, doing the same thing he did during the debate. Where he's like, all right, so we had uh, an incident come up, but it's all taken care of now that the debate's over and there's no time to restart it. So everybody go about your business. And he's kind of doing the same thing. This is where they should start questioning. And I feel like that would actually be better for this season where we are going to be dealing with David Palmer's downfall of the president for things that has nothing to do with this threat, where it suddenly becomes the media even turning on this guy. He is Mr. Media. He is uh now it's time for request you know fly me to the moon like he's that president <laughs> and to have the public turn on him i would love to have seen that but again so much time in an episode so much time left in a season there's just not time to do it um is it just me or has survivor ruined this scene so when he gets here and he's like it's not like the sky is falling i was somebody going like he's got an idol <laughs> he's got a clue <laughs> Like, butterflies are dead relatives <laughs> broccoli is really little trees <laughs> soccer is so graceful or whatever it is um I, I need to nitpick a few things here but talk about the awesome stuff of because like i think you've just made this kind of worse in a way because like okay he is in the middle of a presidential debate gone up there's a, a security crisis have to end it the next morning, he wakes up the United States of America at quarter to six in the morning on the Pacific Coast, quarter to nine on the East Coast, quarter to eight in, like, Chicago, to say, hey, guys, it's up. Good morning. Um, yep, so uh, just some news. Um, sky's not falling. It's all good. But uh, we're just going <laughs> to close all the airports and just uh, grant all the flights and close all the borders. But everything's cool. Everything's all good. All right. How? Out those Lakers last night. Close game, but they got ahead, didn't they? Alrighty, I'm off to get some brekkie. Okay, see you later. Bye, guys. No questions. Like, sorry, like, two and two together here. Like, this is just the stupidity of, like, oh, journalists are always evil. Because even the way these guys, like, oh, are you saying there's nothing to worry about? Like, that's their job. You've cancelled yeah. the presidential debate because of a security threat to the next morning say we're closing down the airports, which... From all I can remember, the only time they ever did that was because of 9 freaking 11. Yeah. Um, like, as if the president's going to wake up and just go, guys, closing all the airports, but it's all good. We're not... Remember last season, you detained a journalist because you didn't want them to say there was a threat to which you pass it off with, oh, we get threats every morning over my orange juice. It's all good. Like, US is panicking. We just are living through COVID. 
All right? Like, and they didn't do this for COVID. Like, just, just imagine how they're responding to this watching it in Marietta, Georgia right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, like, and the point is, I, I, I think I've worked out why he's so inept with this. He doesn't consult anyone but his brother. Like, this yeah. is the President of the United States has somebody holding him hostage to which he's just like, Wayne, what do I do? And it's like, where's the Secretary of Defence? Where's the Vice President? Where's, like, the rest of Homeland Security? You should be in a situation room. Like, I mean, there's no panic. You are literally just... Uh, there's no reason you lose your presidency at the end of this. It's not just because Sherry killed someone, <laughs> let's be honest. You are, like, a terrible president. But outside of that little rant, um, I do... Love, like, what's that bit when, like, he's saying, like, oh, maybe I should ground the air, you know, whatever. And uh, Wayne, like, says something to him. And I love how Dave is just like, that wasn't my question. Like, he's very, like, presidential and, like, um, but I love the, like, back and forth with the guy, the Homeland Security guy, Dennis here. Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to ground everything. We're going to ground little toy car railway tracks just in case. Like, I think. Trump and Biden should be watching this for COVID. Like, I mean, God, one thing I'll say that Palmer's good on the thing, like he's got a, a wisp of a possible virus, boom, shut everything down. Like COVID yeah. would have been prevented in the US if Trump had done this. Just saying, you should have been watching 24. But um, I like the Saunders stuff is just like just absolutely incredible. Like it's just, he just is so engaging with like his threat levels and it's, you could play this so like, over the top and so Salazari or so Imhotep next season. Like, you know, it's, it's very over the top Bond villain, villain, villain. <laughs> but like Saunders is just calm and collected and just menacing with, you know, it's it's very like Gus Fringy or Benjamin Linusy. Yeah. Like it's just kind of that like calm, collected villain. And that's the type of villain I love. And it just, he does it in such a way, like just that line when he just like, you know, and I don't negotiate with heads of state to do as you're told. Like, I mean, it's just not a single second thought of anything. He's just doing it so good. And then just at the end when he's just like, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but like the whole like, yeah, I want you to kill Ryan Chappelle. Like, it's just kind of like, okay, <laughs> this guy's like a menace. And like, again, sort of going into what we'll get with the Jack stuff with the, the Nightfall stuff. Like, I, I love the, this whole connection to Nightfall. I think it's fantastic. Like, it's not something that, you know, you risk overdoing this. Of course you do. Um, but, like, it doesn't. This is, I mean, spoiler alert, this is the only other time that Nightfall will ever sort of get brought up in terms of a storyline moving forward. But I just think this makes sense. And having read the comics, like, you get it. Like, it, you, you see it, how this all unfolds. So... Yeah, like, the Palmer stuff is probably the least interesting in this episode, but it's still, like, I kind of like seeing David squirm and, like, this conversation he has with Wayne when he's just kind of like, like, I don't have a choice. It's like, well, you kind of do, but at the same time, you're a bit of a pussy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we know Obama wouldn't have stood for this. Uh, but, um, Trump, he wouldn't even taken the phone call. <laughs> but uh, Biden wouldn't remember halfway through. He'd be like, who am I talking to? <laughs> uh, Mine's got Cordelia virus just by talking over the phone. Oh, I got it. I tested positive. I'm going to remove myself. <laughs> Bush is like playing a Game Boy halfway through this, not knowing what's going on, and Bill's off with oh, Monica somewhere. So Let's not even get into Trudeau. <laughs> oh, that ass. Who cares? Um, couldn't even tell you what our prime minister does with Anthony Albanese. He probably called a referendum about it or something. I don't fucking Say, know. Can you tell us who your prime minister is? Even? I can. <laughs> I keep forgetting that we got a new one a couple of months ago. Um, <laughs> he hasn't really done anything that people are pissed off at. He's trying to get a referendum right now. That's about all I can tell you about him. So, 
Um, yeah, I, it's, it's again, the least interesting of this episode, but it's still enjoyable, even though it's kind of, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of plot holes dangling with this. Like, he's screwed, Palmer. Like, he's yeah. screwed. Well, there's one moment that I noticed, and it was such a brief moment, but there's one moment before they cut to a commercial break where you saw this look of panic and stress on David's face, which is something that we haven't really gotten from him in any of these seasons. When he was about to lose his presidency last season, he was still so calm and collected. And that one moment to me is almost like the, the David Palmer uh, equivalent of what we're going to get with Jack at the end of the season. It's like, it's starting to get to him. And mm. that's one thing I'll really credit the season for is what they've done to, to, to really build towards this is the end, you know? Like, and yes, these characters are going to be back, but it's not going to be the same after this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see my opinions on the whole um, nightfall connection as the story progresses. Cause I'm still, I still kind of feel like it's, a second Death Star, you know, um, but, you know, it's it, it's not bad for what we end up getting out of Saunders. I just feel like maybe there was something to be, you could have mentioned a different operation here, I suppose. I also will we'll, we'll just kind of quickly touch on the whole Nightfall thing um, uh, in a second with Jack, but uh, it's very similar to um, uh, Mission Impossible as well, like a Ghost Protocol. They, they had this storyline with uh, Ethan Hunt and you find out that Jeremy Renner's character is connected. I mean, now it obviously ends very differently in that, but, you know, it's it's something that this is typical spy stuff. It's it's things you've seen before. And I still don't know whether I love or hate that, uh, but uh, we got the rest of the season to kind of uh, um, uh, figure out my Goldeneye, you know? It's, exactly. It's... There's another example. Like it's, it's something that we've, it's not even just so much it's rehashed because I can't blame them for copying Mission Impossible that came, what, seven years after this, but it is something that is so common in these spy yeah. stories that, you know, it's not necessarily the most original story we've ever gotten. But again, I love Saunders in it. Uh, we're going to get back to Saunders at the end because I'm going to do the cliffhanger all as sort of its own thing. But I'm going to kind of give you a choice here. Do you want to do Jack's story next or the hotel story next, the CTU stuff? So you're basically asking me if I want to do Kiefer Sutherland or Raker Owlsworth. That's a yeah, very well, I was going to say Doug Savon, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, now you're making it even harder in many ways. Um, <laughs> having just seen Kiefer be a very interesting character in the fugitive, which I uh, sent to you. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Um, yeah. Let's do Kiefer. Let's let's get right. Jack on board. We're going to do Kiefer. Let's Jack off. I want to say Jack. really quickly, uh, if people have a chance to check out The Fugitive, which aired on what was it, that app that let streaming service lasted six months. QB, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, now, I watched the first two episodes yesterday. My internet dropped like six times throughout the day yesterday. So I had to put on something I had already downloaded. Luckily, I had just downloaded it off of you. So uh, I watched the first two episodes. And yeah, you're completely right. Like this this will hook you right away. And really, it's it, it's it's the length of a movie for the entire thing. Yeah. But the it's thing about that an hour I actually, and a half, the whole thing, if you watch all 14 yeah. episodes, which I did. It's just, yeah. But like the thing that I love the most about it is that it's... I didn't know much. I knew that Kiefer Sutherland did a thing, but it was always promoted as Kiefer Sutherland, the fugitive. So I was expecting he would be the Harrison Ford. He'd be the fugitive, you know? And so the episodes, the first episode starts, I'm like, is this connected to the movie fugitive? Or is this something completely different? Because you have like the Boyd Hallbrook character. And the other thing that threw me off is his character's name is Mike, which is the name of the Tommy Lee Jones character. So I watched the first episode, assuming that Boyd Hallbrook was supposed to be the Tommy Lee Jones character and that we'd catch up with Kiefer later on. But they, completely swapped around and we get Kiefer giving his outhouse oh. doghouse henhouse speech in his intro is just amazing it's just on it i wish we had a watched it back when it was on and maybe we can do it like it's just 
it, you can tell it's done on the cheap. Like for a cheap yeah. production, it's not too bad. But like Stephen Hopkins, I think directs every episode of it. Mm-hmm. But like the thing that I describe, try to describe it to Colin as, it's kind of like Jack Bauer mixed with is it Riggs from was that uh, who? What's Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon? No, he's yeah, not Riggs. Martin Riggs. It is, yeah. Riggs. it is Riggs. I always get his character. Yeah. So it's basically like Jack Bauer, who's just even more unhinged with pretty much James Bond one liners. Like there's literally a scene, and I've already spoiled this for Colin, where like he gets to a crime scene and like the FBI have shown up there and they're taking evidence like this is a federal operation this isn't an LAPD operation to which keeps other than punches the FBI agent and takes the uh, thing. He's basically like, call my supervisor. I don't give a shit. Um, He works for the LAPD, the CTB, the (laughs) Counter-Terrorism Bureau, um, and he basically all but says he has a death wish. And there's like, um, they kind of like recreate the scene. Isn't like the fugitive when Harrison Ford thinks he's about to get caught, but they're there and there's like another criminal there instead and they have like a standoff with that criminal instead. So like... Kiva's like being held hostage and essentially, um, you know, gets everybody out of the building and he, he basically, whoa, Jesus, Colin's about to have sex on camera. This is, <laughs> wow. He's getting made out with just because he's getting breakfast. Uh, but basically, like, Kiva's character, like, disarms this guy holding him hostage and shoots him in the head and basically just, like, walks off and is just like... That wasn't the guy we were looking for. And <laughs> just like walks out of the room. <laughs> like it's just, it's just crazy. And like I just at first I'm watching this going like, okay, this is just Jack Bauer, but it's it's Jack Bauer on smack. Like it's just it's it's crazy. And Keith is so good in it. But anyway, it's Can it's weirdly you, enjoyable. Really quickly about the other guy, Boyd Holbrook. I don't know if you've seen him in anything else, but uh, what were Never you? Never seen on him in my life until this. He, he was he was fine. He, he was good. I think like um, it's it's interesting. Like I think at least with the movie The Fugitive, like, I feel like you're always sympathetic with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Whereas with this guy, it takes a while because, like, I've got to admit, and surely you've seen the first two episodes, like, you kind of bring a lot of this on yourself, mate. Like, you run away straight away. Like, I mean, there's no reason for you to run away the minute you're, like, if you were literally innocent, like, on the first crime you reckon you've committed, and then the TV comes up going, like, this guy's wanted, you should just be like... I didn't do it. Like no. you run, you <laughs> exactly. look you, like like you're not black. Like I mean, you're, like you're white. You're fine. Um, but like Max tweet about it. Ben's being racist again. Um, but like the 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 main villain of this. Um, I literally guessed who the the real criminal was in the opening episode. It's kind of obvious. And then also the journalist in this whole series is the real villain. I'm like, holy crap, oh, do they make journalists? It's always the journalist. It is. Like, seriously. This right, journalist, Max even. Dawson, it's always the journalist that's the problem. Exactly, Max Dawson. But anyway, um, yeah, the fugitive, the QB show, uh, Kiefer's little, uh, I don't know how much he would have got paid to do that. I mean, he's clearly <laughs> the star of this show. <laughs> like, I don't know who any of the actors are, but it's it's weirdly entertaining, but also all kinds of silly. All right, so let's do Jack then, as Ben asks. Uh, so uh, we have him and Chase uh, getting the information about Saunders here and because they basically show the picture. This is the guy. I, I know him. Um, now, uh, Saunders, they don't really know what the connection is with him. And I don't know if there's a plot hole or I just misheard a line, but when him and Chase are going back and forth between, so what happened? Because I thought everybody died. It's like, yeah, everybody did die except for me. And they're saying it's like, hmm, well, maybe he was captured and he was held prisoner. And I swear Jack says, no, that's not possible. And then later in the episode, it goes, so I think what happened is he was captured. 
and he was taken prisoner and now he's angry. But like, I thought that they, that was the first thing he debunked. Cause he also no. says, Oh, well maybe he caused, maybe he was sabotaged and caused the mission. And Jack's also like, no, that also couldn't have been it. I'm pretty sure he only says like the, no, it's not possible to, he turned beforehand. I'm pretty sure they mentioned about the prison and I don't think Jack denies that. I think he just doesn't know. Cause it's like, they've basically got no evidence of his existence from that situation. Hence why they won't go to MI6. So, um, I think his reaction where he's like, no, that's not possible. It's not true. No, I think that's <laughs> when Chase suggests that he was evil beforehand. He's like, no, you don't know Stephen. He was a patriot. Um, yeah. He's like, so, yeah, and then doesn't Chase say something like, but he's British. He goes, yeah, but he was on loan to us. <laughs> <laughs> Typical English. <laughs> um, now, like you said, we're going to go to MI6. They call Trevor Tomlinson. Scotty, Jack knows his number greatest. off by heart. I love, I love Jack just gets out the film. G'day, <laughs> Trevor, how you doing, mate? Which I, can I say, I got really, like, amped up with it. I'm like, oh, plot hole, plot hole, because he calls up MI6. I'm like, it's dark in London. It's not actually, it's during yeah. the day in London. But then you realise it's the MI6 it's LA office. office. So yeah. I was like, oh, plot hole, plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now they also get information about Diana White, a character I forgot was in this yeah, season. Yeah, wonder, wonder why she's done with pretty quickly. Uh, the other thing is I actually started to wonder when they bring this Diana White character in, they're like, she was an escort back in the eighties. And I'm doing my math in my head. I'm like, wait, and there's a daughter that's coming in, but I looked it up and there's no connection there, but it, it seems like that would have been the obvious choice. You're going to bring in this random character for one episode. And it, it's kind of a nice surprise when they do kill off a character that you think is going to be prominent this quickly, but like, or be the mother of the daughter that we're going to see later on. I don't really understand why they didn't go that direction. Um, but uh, yeah, she is, she's a high-priced escort in the 80s for senators and stuff like this. So this pieces together what their idea is. It's like, all right, so he's paired up with the hooker so that he can blackmail these senators and everything. And they go to her house to capture her, uh, or I guess just question her. And as soon as he walks in the door, she's firing right away. I mean, this is a female Jack. I just wanted her with a chainsaw. <laughs> right at Jack. Uh, and he was just, we're just here to question you, Mrs. White. And he goes... Uh, you broke into my house. All right, fair point. <laughs> but we're just here to question you. And does he say something? Put your gun down. She goes, you put it down first. <laughs> like, I, I actually weirdly like this character that's so briefly here. Like, she's got a lot of personality. I um, wish that Jack when, when had broken into the house with a chainsaw, though. That would have been hilarious. Instead of yeah, sneaking exactly. in. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> now, I really do have to question, though, like, her wardrobe. So when she, when she eventually is talking to Jack, She's wearing, I don't know, the skimpiest bathrobe ever and nothing on underneath. So I was expecting she would have a client in the other room, which again would have been a nice thing they'd do. Is like, uh, it's five in the morning, you're gonna have Colin. To ask your friend. To- <laughs> so um, she's high priced. I mean, they pay for a whole night. I don't know. Uh, she but, probably but- slept naked and put on a robe. You don't sleep well, naked. So and put on a like, robe? I never sleep naked. I mean, I don't want to be changing my sheets every, you know, a single night. Uh, but well, uh, I won't tell you how uh, I slept in your bed that time then. Oh, God, no. <laughs> and I still have that same mattress. That thing's going to burn tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't sleep <laughs> naked. Don't worry. <laughs> if, 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 if it was Noah attack. who slept in there naked, I could have just cleaned the thing. I could have just cleaned it if it was Noah or Rocky or something, but Ben's sleeping in there naked. <laughs> that thing's, hey, there was whoa, another person in that bed. You might need to get some diseases off. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really question like her sleeping naked. And, I, and I'm not saying nobody sleeps naked. I mean, sure, it fits her character maybe, but wouldn't it be great if she's just like, yeah, has to excuse her. I need you to tell your friend to take a hike. And they're like, Mr. Senator, you know, like that would have just been a funny moment. But I just, I fully expected there would be a client there with the way she was dressed. But then of course, <laughs> Diana White says, you're going to have to excuse me to put on some clothes. And Jack's like, okay, go do it. And then he just follows her in there. She just disrobes right in front of him. Um, uh, one complaint I Kate always Sullivan. have about TV shows. And again, I'm sure Ben's going to say, oh, Colin, you're so like stuck up. You know, uh, people do this all the time. Uh, why is it anytime somebody needs to get dressed in a TV show, you will see them put on a shirt. You'll see them put on pants, never underwear. Like she gets dressed without even putting on underwear here. Some people which don't to wear me underwear. Is, I, I mean, I'm with you. But like, I, I'm with you. I, I could never like. It's weird to not wear underwear. I, I'm pro underwear on men. Yeah. Very um, pro underwear. But it's um, and women. <laughs> but it's no. I couldn't go commando. So that's that's not a me. But like, I mean, again, she's also it's her got a federal agent in her room. Like, I mean, oh, which pair of underwear should I choose? Or oh, would this do these pants go with this shirt of federal agent? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think she's there to choose. Um, it, again, though, it fits her character. It's something that a high-priced call girl or whatever would do. And let's also say she's not just some random hooker. I mean, they basically say she runs this business. So, yes, she is an escort, but it is her business, and it is very, very elite. Um, so they take her down to MI6 to go see Trevor Tomlinson. <laughs> there's there's a secret agent named Trevor Tomlinson. You know, we know that James Bond is not dead. He'll wash up on a beach somewhere. But uh, <laughs> just just in case they are going to go that route and he doesn't wash up on a beach somewhere, I hope the next 007 movie is here's your new agent, Trevor Tomlinson. Uh, <laughs> now, now this, the security at the L.A. branch of MI6 is so low. I mean, CTU at 2 o'clock in the morning, even before there's a crisis in season one, has more people working there. He has one guy working it. And let's also remember, this is not that early in the morning. This is almost six in the morning. And I would have to imagine if you are working the LA MI6, you have to be kind of in line with London time, which is, I don't know, what, what are they, like six, seven hours ahead of About me? Eight so, hours. Eight hours ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's coming close to the end of the workday. I mean, they should have more people in this office. It's no wonder that uh, uh, Saunders can send an entire crew, not only outside the building, but into the building. But yeah, before they can even ask Diana White a single question, uh, helicopter, this is one of the highlights of the episode, a helicopter hovering outside the building, blasting it to pieces, uh, ducking for cover, and very quickly, Diana's dead. And even, she's dead! She <laughs> just got to remind the audience she didn't live through that. Uh, and she then put some clothes on after she got killed. Yeah. <laughs> If she had had underwear on, she would have lived yeah. through that. Yeah. We know that. Um, yeah. yeah, so they, they make their escape from the building. They're um, uh, running through the stairwells. we got to shoot up the stairwells, which is fantastic. They're just going to retrieve the hard drive. Because I, I love this back and forth uh, of Jack and Chase. It's like, he wouldn't have risked this just to kill Diana White. It's like, there's something else. There's something strange afoot here. And Chase's like, Trevor I know. Tomlinson as well. Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Tomlinson. Uh, but obviously, it's the intel. Well, MI6 has something on him. We got to... Uh, we got to get the information. Let's go. We know where the hard drive room is. <laughs> Let's go get the one hard drive. They get there. It's going to be rigged with explosives. I mean, this is like, this is the type of action you get in a finale, which is one of the things that I think surprised me the most with this episode. It's just very intense, very action-packed. Um, they're not going to do the whole lethal weapon, disarm the bomb, red wire, or blue wire. 
Uh, basically, they just rip the hard drive out just in time before the thing blows. Uh, this very low security uh, MI6 building, I'm sure, is another thing the media is not going to be concerned with. <laughs> Because <laughs> David Palmer explode. says helicopters with a minigun in downtown LA at 5 a.m. <laughs> Thursday, this just happens. Gang yeah. violence. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rodney King. Rodney <laughs> King. <laughs> Lakers fans celebrating that epic win last night. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic action sequence. Um, it, it really is worthy of a finale. And uh, I remembered none of this. Which I think is, you know, I know I complained in season one about a lot of the episodes where you could tell they hadn't quite leaned fully into the serialized format. So we would get like a, oh, this is just a one-off episode. And it kind of got a little old in season one. But like now that we're in season three and this is so heavily serialized, to do an episode where you not only introduce a character that is set up to be a major character who's killed off in one episode, uh, you also go, I guess, two characters, Trevor Tomlinson, too. Uh, you go to this location, MI6, you have this massive shootout, and it's all over and done with. Like, I should be more bothered. This is just such a one-off. But put in the middle of this season where everything is so heavily serialized, I actually really like this because it's not just, oh, it's nice to have a one-off episode. It's that it catches me off guard that this is all over and done with one and done. And I know, I think it's season five when we get um, Henry and Cusack, a.k.a. Desmond from Lost, is like a German secret agent and, like, they get brought in and he kind of comes and goes and disappears and that'll be a big plot hole that I get annoyed with. Is that next season or season five? It's in one of the next two seasons because it's set up to be in a way which you think, like, there's no way this guy's not coming back and you never see him again. Um, so, like, yeah, they, they kind of dangle this and it's I kind of like it. It's kind of like, cool, let's work with MI6. All right, sweet. Oh, no, it's just one episode. Not like I honestly completely forgot this was in it too. Um, but like, I do love like Jack just personally calling MI6 straight away. G'day, Trevor, how you doing, mate? Yep, good, yep, right. And then like security, like fair enough, a helicopter. Like you don't have turrets on a office building in downtown LA, but like these two guys just like come up the stairwell and just start like pew, 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 like shooting people. Um, They're already in the building when this starts. Yeah, like, I mean, what's below MI6? Is it, like, J.C. Penney's head office and, like, uh, <laughs> Subway's head office? Like, I mean, not much security to get through them. I guess you've got to be inconspicuous if you're MI6. Um, but, yeah, I do I do love, like, Jack's badass way of killing, like, one of them, like, shooting through the wall and you just see blop, like, this guy, like, falls down. But, I mean, also you've got to admit, like, they've bro- breached their security pretty easily because they've planted this bomb in the server room somehow and they've gotten through it but i just i love like keeper sutherland is amazing here just when like because again there's no implication that there's a bomb you've just got jack undoing the thing and all of a sudden he looks up cc4 and he's just like chase there's a bomb you gotta get out of here it's an order damn it it's an order it's like i'm not leaving you jack it's like i've got it boom pew um it's just like okay <laughs> and then just like next thing you just got jack and chase casually walking out like no one's there like luckily all the homeless people were probably off with janet on the street <laughs> that night so like you know it's all good um, and Jack's like casual phone call to, uh, Chappelle, uh, Ryan, uh, yeah, they just blew up MI6, uh, but we've got the service <laughs> all good. Can you get Chloe onto it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so they're kind of like, I mean, let's remember this when we get to what season nine, when they're working in London. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, can I just, I wanted to point out one thing just quickly. It's funny in the, um, the CTU official guide, uh, the, sorry, the 24 official companion book. So the research files, we've got a whole section here on um, MI6 talking about like connections to like the James Bond universe and uh, sort of the real building. And uh, I'm just going to 
read this out to you and I'm going to see if you can pick a mistake here. In September 2000, the real IRA attacked the structure with a Russian-built Mark 22 anti-tank missile, but no structural damage was incurred. Interestingly enough, the actual MI6 headquarters was used as a location for a James Bond film for the first time ever in 1991 for The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> is, is, there a, is there a mistake there? Prior to that movie, Her Majesty's Government objected, citing security as the issue. I think they might need to check their calendar. Uh, 1991, <laughs> Timothy Dalton's third Bond movie, was, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that was the cancelled Dalton. I'm glad that they reused some of those ideas for Pierce. <laughs> Isn't it funny that probably everything in this book is completely accurate, but then they get the one thing wrong for a James Bond movie. Um, but, yeah. But, no, I think, like, yeah, the action's great. It's, it's a surprising action scene, and I think kind of... I mean, Jack's really not doing a lot at the moment. He's I, I love, like, this whole sequence, though, when he's on the phone... And they're going like, oh, everyone who's alive. And Jack's like, no, try people who are presumed dead. And then yeah. just like, I love his reaction when he's on the phone to Tony. And he's like, he's staring at these pictures of Saunders. And Tony's like, come on, Jack, we need information. I'm going to need five minutes to think about this. And he puts the phone <laughs> down. Cut back to him after the ad break. And he's still just like casually staring at this picture of Saunders. Like, is Chase like sitting in the car going like, Jack, what's to think about it? Saunders. Shut up, Chase, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Saunders. He's going, which one was Saunders again? It wasn't yeah. Nelson. wasn't Jenkins. Oh, the Was he English the guy, guy who likes hookers? That's right, the hooker guy. <laughs> Did he go for the Clippers or the Lakers? Oh, <laughs> which one was he? Um, but, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's honestly like the most forgettable part of the episode in a weird way. Uh, because like you don't remember this in like three episodes time, but I love that just like connection with Saunders when like Saunders is like to random henchman guy in the thing like, uh, how did the MI six operation go? And I love this guy. Yeah, Gerald and Samson are killed, <laughs> but did they get the the server? Absolutely not. It was definitely <laughs> destroyed in the explosion. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great action. Surprisingly good action. Uh, now to the hotel, which is uh, the most dramatic stuff going on. Uh, after Danny died last week, poor Danny, no. Mr. Panicky uh, civilian, uh, we get the SWAT team moving in, and uh, we get another Michelle moment, which is like, whoa, like Michelle firing her gun in the air. <laughs> like she's she's empowered now. <laughs> she's like, I which killed a man. People, feels, can I, feels good. <laughs> I've got to ask, why are people still like thinking that she's not going to do anything? She literally killed a person in yeah. front of everyone. And people are still like, ah, she has to warn them again. <laughs> like, yeah. can you not see Danny? Dead Danny. Guts on the floor. It will be you <laughs> next. Just shut the fuck up. And I also love where she's like, if everybody remains calm after firing our gun in the air, <laughs> we will make an announcement on the intercom. Now, we already <laughs> had this hotel evacuated. the phone. <laughs> exactly. They're right there. Everybody's in earshot. Can everybody hear me? Can I have your attention? Testing. Uh, <laughs> testing. One, two. I mean, immediately, there are probably people still in their rooms, but I mean, you Yeah, know. well, there's lazy people, like we said, me last week, who will stay in the <laughs> building while it's burning. <laughs> ben, with his house burning down. But, yeah. uh... But yeah, her intercom announcement. Um, we get Danny's wife confronting Michelle. It's like you were some, you're a federal agent. You were supposed to help him. It's like help him how? By help him by let him get out of the building and infect the rest of Los Angeles. Like what a man, what a judgy wife here. I'm I'm glad that her husband's dead. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't be sad, but like. Take some accountability for your husband almost killing a city. 
I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm with you on a point, but I'm still thinking based on how we've experienced the world in the last few years and people's treatment of the government doing things. There's no way the people in this hotel aren't like Dennis's wife here is going to sue the government. Like you're a federal agent. You're meant to protect well, them. She's on freaking 60 minutes in a week going like I was in the hotel and they didn't even give him a warning. They just shot and killed him. Like it's going to be stretched the truth and drawn out for public opinion. Come on. I, I will. I will. I will go along with that for a second because why didn't she shoot, talk about speed already? The whole thing in speed. What do you do? Shoot the hostage. You shoot the hostage in the leg, a place where, you know, they're, they're going to live through it. And then what, you know, bargaining do they have? Why didn't she shoot this guy in the leg? Yeah. J- just fire, fire a shot. That's going to incapacitate him, but not kill him. You don't have to fire it's, him two times. in the back. But it's, that's it's what I'm saying. Michelle has gone crazy with, 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 with murderous rage, but lucky Dennis was white. So therefore it's not yeah, going to make the exactly. news. <laughs> Just saying, if he was black, it would be a news story. There would be riots, but he's white, so it's okay. You're allowed to shoot white people. Uh, I, I thought we were going to go the other direction on that. No, well, you're not you allowed to, like, this. <laughs> if you're black, there's riots and a, and a, and a movement starts. If you're well, white, you're talking about criminal, being justified. Yeah. yeah, Michelle's well. Michelle's getting away with this if he's black, but she's going to prison because he's white. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so. Um, uh, I, I want Michelle, like, bring back in the whole DC thing with Anthrax. I just want somebody to be like, why did you just kill that man? It's like, how do you think we stopped Anthrax in DC, yeah. huh? <laughs> I I stopped September 12. You just don't yeah. know about it. You remember the DC snipers at the same time? Yeah. Wasn't a sniper. <laughs> it was all about Anthrax. Remember the basketball team used to be called the Bullets and now they're the Wizards? That's because of me. The Redskins? Racist, wasn't it? Now they're the commandos or whatever the new team's called <laughs> everything bad that have to happen in los angeles because michelle you want to know why montreal canadians won the stanley cup in 93 it was me <laughs> you want to know why gretzky ended up coming to la it was because of me the earthquake could have been a 8.9 instead of only an 8.8 that was me <laughs> <laughs> Rolling blackouts, California, same time period, all <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> LeBron James coming to the Lakers, me. <laughs> this woman has LA's interests at heart. <laughs> How did Kobe Bryant die in that helicopter crash? I had the day off. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I legitimately am. <laughs> um. We do get a nice scene here with your man, Doug Savant, <laughs> where oh, he asks her, so is everybody going to die? And she's just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's not sugar. I mean, she basically says most of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, she is not hiding this at all. Um, and, and I don't, it, I, I don't really feel like his character is necessary, but it is Aww. nice to have a civil. Well, no, listen, it's, it's not necessary to the story, but what's good about it is that we have these civilian characters you know, to kind of put like a face on. I mean, this isn't like, you know, the the, the waitress in season one where you're like, come on, just kill her already and get it done with. I don't care that these <laughs> average people, but he's there. These average and he's waitresses there. kill him. Hotel yeah, workers exactly. survive. <laughs> waitresses yeah, exactly. die. <laughs> but, uh, but, but like, it's good to have a character like this for scenes like this. Are, are we all going to die? Because this is the second calmest guy in the room. Uh, well, he is the most calmest guy in the room because he hasn't killed anybody yet. So he's now number one. But uh, and then we have the other scene where they're getting tested or whatever. And uh, I love when they come there to do the testing and say, so uh, who are we going to test first? And it's like, well, we were thinking you <laughs> And like, 
we've we've taken COVID tests. They are not this easy. They are they are very no, invasive. No, I was I'm glad you pointed that out. Like, I mean, just we had never had COVID. We just go, oh, that's very realistic. Now she so literally stick it up a nose for one second. Oh, I'm done. It's like bullshit. Yeah, you haven't got any we'll brain matter two on hours. that. Oh, two hours. Like at least in COVID, we get it done quickly. But the worst one I ever had was in Canada. By the way, like I swear to God, my brain's still on a plate somewhere in Victoria. The amount they shoved it up there, like Jesus. Oh. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, the two-hour test thing here is, is a little bit unrealistic because, again, this is a new virus and they just know right away. But uh, most of the hotel stuff is just, you know, drama. And that's what I love in this episode the most is the scene he was going to get with Gael coming up. I mean, this is the big one. So Michelle goes in to talk to Gael and his face is falling off now. Uh, <laughs> it's the uh, the other side effects of um, uh, Legionnaire's disease here. Michael and Jackson. um He's <laughs> Michael Jackson's disease here. And uh, he um, he's basically about to die and she knows it. And she says, you know, well, let's make this quick and painless. And he, we have this little debate on suicide, which the fact that this is never resolved, I think is one of the most interesting things in the episode because he's like, you know, I wasn't raised to kill myself or whatever. And uh, she's basically leaves the gun there. And it's a really sad scene. And She I, takes I, the gun you know, away. I thought she left it with him. No, she takes it away. She doesn't. Does she? Okay. Well, yeah. then that kind of ruins what I thought was such a good ending. Cause I, I liked that we had this ending where she left the gun there and left the room and I, she kind of looks back and I was thinking like, is she waiting for him to pull the trigger? And then when he comes out later, she pulls off the blanket. And I thought she was checking to see if there was a bullet hole in his head and you realize, no, he just died from the disease, but Hey, I'm giving them too much credit. They could have done something more interesting. I think, I think it's Dick Michelle because it's kind of like, you know, he's all like, he's all like, Oh, like I was raised to, you know, my beliefs are that suicide is a sin. And Michelle's just like, well, I'm sure in these circumstances, it's eligible. I just like, uh, no, that's not how God works. Like, um, you know, God's still looking at me going, don't kill yourself. Like, sorry, but no, but like, I, I, I like my ending better. I'm not saying <laughs> I should be right on the show. Colin's but- making a lot of stuff up this week. <laughs> this is no, what happens. Like, this is the point of the whole hotel storyline because the next thing she's going to do is to ask for those capsules. You know, uh, give me the capsules. Give me the suicide pills. And this is like, well, that breaks every regulation in the book, which we will never have a more Chappelle moment after everything we said about this man this season than when Tony basically says to Michelle, well, that's against every regulation. Yes, but people are all going to die here. Let's do the right thing. And then he's getting it ready. And Chappelle's like, what are you doing with that suitcase? There's suicide pills. For what? The people in the hotel. That breaks every regulation in the book. Yes, I know. Okay, do it. <laughs> that is the most Chappelle moment we will ever get. And it's going to be the last Chappelle moment we're ever going to get pretty much. I, I do love, like, is it Tony on the phone to Michelle where Tony's like, you're talking about government institutionalized mass suicide. I'm thinking like, yes, you are. Like, I mean, like I yeah. get, I get this. Like I completely understand, like put people out of their misery, but like this again, he's not going to fly. CTU yeah. is like, like say what you will about torture during the 2000s. It got some information out. Okay. Probably not the best way to waterboard people and doing that. Like I'm not <laughs> condoning it but it got results, but it's still yeah. people went to jail and it got completely like whatever. You are literally within the space of an hour going, so we've got some suicide, which I've got questions. Who's just got a bunch of suicide pills sitting in a cupboard at a government <laughs> office? Like, there they are, just sitting there. Like, what are these pills? What's wrong ones? But like, it's just, you know, and plus if this is cyanide, don't you like froth at the mouth and have a seizure? I've watched enough Yeah, it's going to be pretty violent. <laughs> like literally they are condoning government mass suicide. Michelle should be in jail next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, but 
what I like about this is that it's this episode is about listen, should we do the humane thing and give them a chance to end their own life before it gets really painful or should we not? And if they had had Michelle leave the gun there, even if he doesn't pull the trigger, I think that that, that makes it a more dramatic thing at the end because that's what this episode's about. It feels like a missed opportunity to not have that be part of it. And he, okay, he just chooses not to kill himself or maybe he chooses to kill himself. Either way, that's what the episode's about. And I think they kind of missed the boat on that. Uh, we do get Tony's nice angry phone call where he's talking to Dr. Nicole here. Yeah, and it's like, so so tell me, is there even the slightest chance that they could live? This is a 100% fatality rate. Now, again, how do they know this? There's been like, what, two people, three people who have caught this that have actually died so far, and they well, 100% know. Well, both so, so far. Then <laughs> technically, so it is 100%. Two people have yeah. caught it, two people have died. So technically, it's 100%. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's... It's it's not even like okay, let's wait and see. Tony's just gonna be like, all right, suicide, and of course Chappelle's gonna be like, all right, if you say so, Tony, <laughs> you're the boss. Um, but it's still it's such a great storyline that they they get for this episode, and uh, even Chappelle just doing do it like it, we kind of joke about do Chappelle. It. It's like no, that's that that's that's against every rule. It's like but but Chappelle, we really wanna okay, do it. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's so Chappelle, but yet it's it's a great dramatic moment here where he's like yeah, this is what we have to do. So, I mean, I love all the hotel stuff. We're going to we'll close off with the, the cliffhanger on its own, but this hotel stuff, I mean, it's hard to top Jack's storyline, but I actually think this is even better than Jack's storyline. Yeah, look, it's our job to nitpick and whatever, because like it is so implausible that this would even be happening and that they would not completely be shut down as a government department. But like, I completely agree with you. I think it's like, it's, and we're going to get some great stuff with that in the coming weeks, you know, like just with the whole suicide pill thing and that. And this is where I've got to, you know, have my little rant about how this is dumb and it would never happen in real life, but then it's actually entertaining because, you know, Michelle's got that, that you know, great speech and everything with it to go with it. And it's, you know, it the thing that I love about this storyline, it's one of those you put yourself in those situation moments of watching a TV show or a movie, like what would I do? You know, how would I react in that situation? You know, and it's kind of like if we bring up 9-11 all the time, but you just think about those, the people who had to face that horrible choice of being up those towers of I'm going to die. Do I want to burn to death or do I want to jump out of this building and die that way? You know, so like if you're in this hotel, do I want to die with my skin falling off and, you know, pus and blood and mucus going everywhere? Do I want to take a simple pill and hopefully go to sleep? You know, it's kind of... Mm. Hopefully we're never in that situation, but it's, you know. Frothing at the mouth. <laughs> people listening to this show, it's almost like taking a suicide pill. But it, um, oh, tweet about that, Max Dawson. Oh, Ben's joking about suicide. Shut the fuck up and shave your beard. Um, <laughs> Max Dawson is a suicide pill of Survivor. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I just, I have to laugh at the fact they've just got a, a carton of suicide pills sitting next to like this. <laughs> The bonus pen box in the stationery cupboard. Yes, it's the, exactly. They're in the middle of like a hallway. There's people walking past them. Like they don't even keep this under lock and key in like the, the most top secret room. I've I've been in like office situations or places where like I've got a headache. So I've gone like, oh, fuck. like I remember in my office in New Zealand once I had a headache and we the, like my bosses had like a draw because they weren't based in that office. They were in another town, but they'd still like put supplies so, like, you know, oh, if you want an extra pen or a notebook, it's in there. So like, and they had like a little kit and it had like, you know, Advil Suicide in it. Like, All right. 
So you're literally looking at the thing going, okay, Advil, I'm not just taking like Viagra or something like that. So like, I mean, what if like, I don't know, Adam's like, oh God, my headache, Chloe's really giving me the shits. What's in these? Oh, pills. Oh, I don't know what they are. Mm. That's how he turned into Siler or whatever he is in freaking Heroes yeah. or whatever it is. Like it's it's like um, Javier Bardem in, in Skyfall. It doesn't quite kill him. Yeah. It just deforms him. Um, but like, I mean, I love... Like, yeah, Doug Savard. Like, I think you've got to have him because you've got, like, if you don't have him, you need to have some sort of humor character. And is there a bit of mild flirting going on there between Michelle and uh, Doug Savard there? Is there? I don't know. Tony might get a little bit jealous there. But also, like, I don't know if you're lumping this into the cliffhanger, but I kind of, um, you know, Tony in CTU, that moment with Chappelle, are you talking about that with the cliffhanger or am I jumping ahead? Which, which moment? The bit where, like, Tony's being a dick on the phone to that poor woman and then Chappelle walks in and he's kind of all like, you need to like oh, back yeah, yourself that, up. Oh, yeah, do that on its own, yeah. Okay, right, sorry. I didn't know if you were doing that. But um, yeah, like, I do love Dick Tony. This poor woman's just like, I'm like, well, as we're telling you, Tony, like it's 100%. <laughs> 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 but um, I mean, it's a great little scene. Like Rip to Guy L. I don't know if we really need to eulogize him. I mean, he came and went, listened to our Jesse Borrego interview. It was a great chat. And he was also obviously on our, our reunion. So, um, you know, obviously great, great actor. Great to have his time on this show. But um, he's a fine character. I, I, I always forget. I always think they do more with him, though. Like, I mean, the whole twist yeah. of him, like being evil and then not like you kind of forget about it like i like this idea of it being like a triple agent like the fake out he's evil then he's not and you know i kind of like that but um yeah i mean he was a fine character you kind of always felt as soon as him and michelle were going to this building that he was going to die like somebody has to die from ctu Mm -hmm. Um, and he's the only one from CTU who died. Well, actually, next week, but, um, (laughs) but, but, uh, yeah, I like the, I'm with you. I like the hotel stuff and, um, yeah, the people, the testing was bullshit though. Come on. COVID ruined this. Survivor ruined the Palmer stuff and COVID ruined this (laughs) test. Uh, now let's set up next week, uh, with, uh, our cliffhanger and everything else. So, as you mentioned, the, the phone conversation with uh, Tony and um, uh, Chappelle. And Chappelle, I, I love the moment where Chappelle basically tells him, it's like, listen, Tony, your wife's going to die. Please move on. <laughs> Excuse me? It's the Hakuna Tata thing. My, my father's yeah, exactly. dead. And my, well, have you just tried not worrying about it? Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, it is like Hakuna, this is where Chappelle needs to walk in there. It's like going, Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful <laughs> phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passion great. Means no worries for the rest of your days. <laughs> <laughs> it's our problem free philosophy. <laughs> cool, <Kuna> Tata. <laughs> oh, if only there was a way to re-edit this. Uh, maybe there is. I don't know. I'll have to play around with it. <laughs> you need one of those like video programs. You know how like sometimes you see like they you can put like a cheap head on like a body and yeah, it can, yeah you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, to take his mind off his dying wife, he's gonna give him the task. I want you to follow the money. Uh, <laughs> and. This is going to lead to something big happening next week, following the money. Uh, so during the whole Saunders part of the storyline, um, I, I like that he gets the call about, sir, Diana White is dead. And he goes, I will miss Diana. <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> Somebody else needs to go. The oh, people's Bakuna princess. Matata. The people's princess <laughs> is dead. 
Uh, but uh, they basically give the information where it's like, so a man named Ryan Chappelle is following the money. Uh, and he goes, hmm, I know Chappelle. He's very good at following the money. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do something about that. Uh, so Saunders is going to get on his little bat phone to, um, to Palmer and say, bat I have a job for you. <laughs> You are going to kill Ryan Chappelle at exactly 7 a.m. at the train yard over on the corner of this and this. Uh, th- like you said, I I didn't realize this was the cliffhanger of the episode before. And now that I've seen it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And being like, ooh, how are they going to get out of this? We know how big it's going to get next week. I mean, this is next week's episode. That cliffhanger is setting up one of the biggest moments in the history of 24, which won't spoil exactly what happens, but... It's going to involve a train yard at 7 a.m. So stay tuned for the very last second of the next episode. Um, You know, this cliffhanger, I think it it resonates more because we know how good next week's episode is. But um, the fact that they set it up a week ahead of time, you know, it's giving you some drama because really what else do we have to go on at this point? We know everybody in the hotel is dying. Jack's story is a one and done. Palmer is just stressed out and gave his press conference. Like you need something. And so let's throw this out there. Ryan Chappelle. I'm pretty sure though, at the time watching this, I probably was thinking, okay, Chappelle, like, like it, 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 this couldn't be, I want Chase Edmonds dead, like a main character, a main, main character, but wow. Is it going to work out next week? Yeah. I mean, my nitpick of this is why is Chappelle looking into, like, I know he gets there and it says like, Oh, we're short star, but like the head of division is sitting on a computer looking into bank files. Like, you know, like, I don't think the head of the FBI is bored on a Tuesday and going like, oh, maybe we'll search some of those most wanted people. Like, I think he's got bigger bigger fish to fry. So, like, that's my only criticism of the setup to what we'll lead to. But, I mean, yeah, I think this comes back to what we're saying about how this episode is forgotten about and that it's actually quite good and that it gets better knowing what happens next week. So like if you're listening to this with us and watching it for the first time, like it's probably not going to have the same impact that if you're watching this along with us and having known what happens next week, you know, I mean, it, it is a great cliffhanger because yeah, I remember watching this going like, Oh, well that's the mystery of the week next week. So how are they going to save Chappelle? Like, I mean, it's just, you, you literally, and that's what I guess we will talk about it so much next week about how next week is so great because of what happens, because it is just, it's the, it's the Terry factor. It's the nuclear bomb factor. Like it's things you don't think will happen. And I think people now put two and two together, what's going to happen next week. But like, and that's where this show stands on its own two feet as an amazing show. You have this as a cliffhanger and you're literally like, okay, cool. Like Jack's also going to be in danger next week. Like whoop-de-doo Basil. Um, So yeah. And again, gonna say why it makes Saunders so great as a villain because like I mean he's just like gonna do meaningless tasks like this which is gonna set us on a path to one of the greatest moments we will ever see in this show so um yeah it's it's great that we have it as a cliffhanger because again I thought it just happened at the beginning of next week but no it's a cliffhanger which mm. it only improves knowing what happens next week if Chappelle had assigned following the money to Dennis would this episode have ended with Saunders being like, I want Dennis at the train yard at 7 a.m.? Like, is this is this Chappelle's problem for being too hands-on? I think it is. I mean, no, don't get too handsy. So what happened to some people in life? But I think, like, yeah, I agree. But, like, I think what maybe comes with this, it's just it's Saunders showing his power. He's just, 
yeah. you know, it comes with the the skies falling maybe doesn't lead to anything. So it's like, oh, well, now I can do this. And, like, just the way he's kind of like, yes, I know Chappelle. So, like, maybe he's just like, oh, Chappelle was like a dick boss. So, like, I'm going to kill this guy. Like, I don't know. Like, he's just like he's just dicking around, getting his schlong out, showing how big it is by, like, basically going to the president. Like, you know, I'm going to toy with you for a little bit. So kill this guy, you know? So, like... Things like that, which I just think add to Saunders being like a badass of a villain, because he's basically dicking people around. I'm saying this now. This is I, you probably love this. I'd put Saunders ahead of probably ten James Bond villains, just in terms of how good he is as a villain and how like capable he is. Until one stupid little bit of kryptonite in a couple of weeks will destroy him, which pisses me off. Because before that moment, this guy's almost un- invincible. You know. Yeah, um, and he's he's definitely flexing his muscles. Like that's what I think you make a really good point by saying that. That's really all he's doing this episode. That's him. Like you said, the sky is falling. That's him with you're going to get the cell phone because I told you to. I don't negotiate with heads of state. Do as you're told. And I don't think that's something that I would have seen on first viewing. But now that you said it, like I completely get that. This is Saunders just being the guy who's like, I'm going to show everybody that I'm in control here, uh, which really is good. So, yeah, I'm on board with it. Uh, any extra trivia notes that don't have to deal with 1991's The World Is Not Enough? Uh, yeah, great year, 1991. Um, nothing in the book, really. They they mentioned about how Rekha Owlsworth and Carlos Bernard were on set with each other during the phone calls. So, like, if it was a hotel scene, uh, Carlos would show up so that they could work off each other. Uh, helping it that way. Um, looking at the trivia on 24 Wiki, this is the only episode that uh, Adam Kaufman doesn't appear in. So there you go. Um, I love it. Only about five minutes passed after Saunders' first phone call to the president, even though he said he would call back in 10 minutes. He's very busy man, Saunders. <laughs> He's got to get to him. Um, and then this one's a fun little fact. Despite it being stated by Palmer in day one, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., that six of Jack's team supposedly died in Operation Nightfall. In this episode, Jack says five others died, including... Saunders. So, little mistake there. Obviously, uh, you know, they didn't get a little black book out to get their facts right from season one, but it, it happens, I guess. But He uh, forgot about Dennis. That's what happened. It, yeah, poor Dennis. Maybe, maybe there was just some person that they didn't like. So, yeah. <laughs> I am very much buying this episode. I am 100% buying this episode. You as well? Yes, Colin Hilding. I too am 100% buying this episode. Uh, I'm ranking this episode a lot higher than I thought I would have. Uh, this is going to be a top five episode for me. I've got this at wow. number five, one spot wow. above the big Nina death episode. And really what it came down to is I was looking at my season three buys. Um, yeah, the Nina episode, obviously for a great moment in that, that one section of the story, but I think there was more stuff in the Nina episode that I had issues with. Whereas like, there's very little I have issues with this episode. Everything is fantastic i mean i could have you know had no storyline in the hotel and just got off of the jack storyline and the the palmer storyline or the other way around one of those storylines lacked but none of these storylines lacked is maybe the first episode i could think of all season where nothing lacks in an episode wow wasn't expecting that i still only got the one episode of this season in the top 10 that's the the first episode of the season i still got that at number eight that's the highest one i've got um i've got this at 16th so this is my third highest of the season below only the first episode and last week's episode I've got ahead of this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a very solid setup episode and I agree with everything you say. I just maybe just don't rank it as highly. So I've got this just uh, below uh, episode nine of season one, which I think is the Jamie suicide episode from memory. And 
episode three of season one is just ahead of it, which is a Janet episode, so of course it's going to be high. Um, but I can probably all but guarantee that next week is probably going to be in my top five. Yeah, well, I I know there's one thing in next week's episode that uh, is going to be top five worthy, and I that's all I remember this episode for. I mean, everything else that happens, you know, maybe maybe it's subpar, who knows? But we're talking about top five moments, like you said a couple of weeks ago. I mean, next week is going to have not only a top five moment of the season, probably a top five moment of the entire series, you would argue. Uh, and something that they've done many times since is it sort of starts a trend in 24 of things that will happen going forward. But I don't know if it's something that will ever be talked. And what that is, you'll have to stay tuned to find well, out. I will read the synopsis for next week. President David Palmer is forced to hand Saunders' next assignment to Jack Bauer. CTU does their best to find Saunders before 7am. Michelle Dessler finds out someone got out of the hotel before the lockdown. Ryan Chappelle tries to escape, but is stopped by Jack first. Chloe O'Brien is able to trace Saunders through money trails to an address in Los Angeles. Chase Edmonds leads a strike team over there, and all seems to be falling into place until Saunders is... And I'm not going to finish that because it actually spoils it. Um, I think from memory that this episode is far more than just like the moment is a top five moment in the history of the show, possibly a top two, top three moment in the history of the show. Um, but I, I, from memory, this is the episode in general is fantastic. Like it's not just a moment based episode um, because I think what makes it so good is the moment that you, that happens. Of course you spend the whole time thinking it's not going to happen. And just everything about it is a typical 24 of they get so close and then all of a sudden so far and then it's a whole what now situation. But the difference I think with the next week is that rather than a what now situation that all of a sudden Jack gets a magical phone call to save his skin, it doesn't happen. And it's like almost a desperation mm-hmm. episode. And it's a just from memory, like I haven't watched it, rewatched it yet, but I know from the times I've seen this, I've always blown away with just how good the episode is in general. So yes, it is highlighted with a bullet uh, no pun intended of the amazing moment that makes this episode but i'm pretty certain this entire episode is incredible and we don't really often talk up paul schultz uh panic rooms yeah. paul schultz listened to that a few weeks ago but uh holy crap paul schultz i'm saying right now probably deserved a, a an emmy nomination for next week because he's pretty fucking amazing next week right alongside his oscar nomination for panic room yes um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. Next week, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be one of our biggest ones. So, uh, stay tuned for that, as well as everything that's left of Breaking Bad. You're probably pretty close to the end of Breaking Bad, I'm guessing. Very weeks weeks away from it ending, and I will say right now that uh, next week, September begins. Lost is back. Yes, oh. Lost. Finally, we're finishing it off, and I'm telling you now, time recording this. We're finishing it off, so it's it's finally coming to an end. So both Breaking Bad and Lost are going to end within a couple of weeks of each other on our coverage here. One we started five years ago, one we started, what, like 18 months ago. So, yeah. And uh, the greatest thing is that it is season six of Lost, and we know when you have high expectations going into season six, it's going to deliver. So your guys' recaps will deliver just like season six did, right? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, our finale episode that Noah and I recorded this week at the time of recording this went for three hours. So uh, we did a TV episode of three hours. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I mean, again, in defense of that, the final episode of Lost is like nearly two hours double. long. So, yeah. Yes. 
All right, so there will be Lost Back very soon. There is Breaking Bad. There is movie recaps or something maybe going on. We uh, just finished uh, <laughs> our anniversary one, and I don't think you and I have discussed uh, at the time of recording this what's happening in September, so something's happening yeah, there maybe. I don't know. We'll be doing something in September, so lots of fun stuff coming. Uh, my name is Colin, and I'm pro-underwear. And my name is Ben. And I'm bleeding. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>